the Numinous Podcast with Carmen Spaniola. Hi there, and welcome to the Numinous Podcast, where we have interesting conversations with everyday folks about the mystery of life. I'm your host, Carmen Spaniola, and today I'm speaking with my mentor and clinical supervisor, Patty Elledge. Patty is a somatic experiencing practitioner who's specialized in therapeutic application of neuroscience for more than 40 years. She teaches the certification that I did, uh, Diane Paul Heller's groundbreaking work called DARE, which treats adult attachment wounds. Patty has a broad clinical background, including working on the floor directly with babies, children, and families for more than 20 years prior to her SE training in the late 90s, as well as supervising grad students at the University of Oklahoma. Today, we're going to dive right into some questions I have for Patty, almost like doing a mini case consult on air, about working with clients who are in the midst of a global high activation state. And naturally, the conversation brings us into loads of other topic areas. I'd like to share with you at the outset that I'll be assisting Patty this coming year with her Somatic Mentoring Online Program, a three-month introduction to working somatically with clients to support trauma healing that's open to helping professionals of all specialties. Patty will be teaching psychoeducation and techniques drawn from somatic experiencing and attachment repatterning work, and personally, I can't wait to participate and assist Patty both in class, on the back end, and with one-on-one student support. If you're already excited about the prospect of this, go to somaticmentoring.com to secure one of the last spots in this 25-person cohort. And now, here's Patty. So, Patty, what identities do you lead with? Hi, Carmen. Um, Let's see. The identities uh, at this point in my life that I lead with really are elder... um, you know, I think last time I called myself a silverback, I still actually feel that way. That even though I'm a woman, I am an elder with some care and knowledge about our group and our uh, communities. And so I feel like I stepped into that role. And um, the role that, that I know that we're going to be talking about tonight is my mentoring. And so I definitely feel a heart-centered recognition of me as a mentor Mm. and um, yeah I know you know that I'm a trauma healer by trade and an attachment therapist and work with the body and nervous system so Mm -hmm. and I actually feel so good hearing you say I identify as a mentor Um, I mean it's it's true factually i've worked with you as my supervisor for a couple years now um but there's something very inspiring and um affirming there's like that biological rightness that i feel when you say that and it's it's very nice to see that modeled the ownership of uh, the word mentor um so I would love to do like a mini case consult with you right now. <laughs> that sounds fun. <laughs> yeah, this has come up a lot for me. Um, as you know, you're, you're, you're uh, supervising me and helping me as I teach attachment for parents. And I've done it both um, in a live context and online now. And uh, what I have noticed is the experience of many parents whose children are very dysregulated going into 
a global high activation state. And I know that for a lot of people listening, they might, you know, if they're, if they're not in the world of, of uh, trauma healing, they might go, what, what's that? And, and maybe feel like, oh, I don't know if this, this episode is really for me. But, but what I love about the way you teach, Patty, is that uh, I have found myself empowered and feeling stronger and having more backbone, not only as a practitioner with your mentorship, but also just as a parent, as a partner, as a citizen, um, because the way you teach makes it feel like these are just life skills that everyone should have and can have. So a global mm -hmm. high activation state, when I see it in my clients and students, um, I think before I had you as a mentor, I would have kind of freaked out. I would have thought, oh, this is like way beyond the scope. I don't know what to do. Um, but we've talked about it a little bit and I see it as so common in not mm -hmm. just with parents, but also in clients that mm -hmm. I'd love if you could talk to me about what is the global high activation state? How do we recognize it in clients and in ourselves? Yeah, well, that's a great, a great lead in to the topic, Carmen. Uh, and I'm happy to be doing this kind of mini case consult uh, because you provide so much support for so many people and then your listeners, whether or not they work directly with you, they're listening and profiting from what you're teaching, how you are, etc. So let's talk about the global high activation state that actually that term was coined by Peter Levine. Uh, it's part of the somatic experiencing training that's a three-year trauma training. Um, and they begin to talk about it the second year. So it, it's introduced uh, the second year. And by then, everyone pretty much has a clear understanding of the nervous system in the training. So as your listeners, we're kind of inviting them in to imagine that really health and well-being is identified by the body being able to go into states of dysregulation and move back into regulation. We're not supposed to flatline. We're not supposed to limit the amount of energy we're supposed to be engaged, really rightfully, deeply engaged with our living earth. Uh, we evolve from that. And so we're supposed to go outside and dig in the dirt and, and chop the wood, right? And do all these really big activities. And then when something happens, our bodies are so used to being able to be moving, like as we're chopping the tree, the tree begins to fall on us and it catches our partner that we're with and it catches them, knocks them out. And of course, we're in a state of overwhelm and fear. So the partner's laying on the ground, got knocked out. But you can feel that mobilization. Now I'm leading your listeners into the idea that this is normal. This is what we want. We want our bodies to mobilize toward action and toward uh, lifting the tree off. And we know that unbelievable amounts of cortisol and catecholamine are coursing through the body into mega strength, like a person your size or my size could lift a two-ton truck 
off of, for instance, a child. If that child was trapped under our tire, all of a sudden the car rolled and we would go out and lift it up. Now that's the kind of mobilization, but it's mobilized in the arms and legs. Can you hear me kind of leading you through that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, feel, I definitely can feel energy yeah. coursing through my arms and legs, a bit of awesome. a, a run urge, you know, like a leap. Yeah. yeah. There's we some want, spring there. <laughs> we want that spring, that leap, that seriousness, that, that strength. You could hear it in my voice. But what happens in people, if they are not used to using their arms and legs, if they're trapped, if they feel helpless in a situation. And if they have no course of, of resolution where they can fight their way, flee their way out, or through the natural discourse like of talking your way into a situation and through it, that's a, another third way. It's almost like the the third arm of the body, <laughs> you know, you have the arms and the legs, but the third arm would be your voice, you know, to, is that related to the fawning response then, or the tendon befriend? Um, it can be, but it can be high sympathetic charged Carmen. Right. So it can be quite, uh, playful or strong. Mm-hmm. Like I brought more sympathetic into the talk right now mm-hmm. because I want your listeners to get an idea of what happens if the body collapses And then all of that energy doesn't go out the arms and legs, but goes into the central nervous system, which is the spine and the central nervous system up to the brainstem into the brain. And so you've got the amygdala firing that we are under extreme threat uh, without the body engaged. And that global activation is kind of the uh, pattern that you will see. You know, you asked about children and parents, but that global pattern, we can see it when somebody literally uh, shoots their head off, like their, their head like lifts off. And I think I've experienced that where something surprisingly, especially socially, like something surprisingly comes at me, you know, boom, boom, boom. And all of a sudden I feel my head flies off, top of my head flies off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I, I definitely have that with, well, certainly um, I know there are particular personalities, especially if there's kind of some misogynistic tones to it that I, mm-hmm. I can't stay self-regulated and suddenly mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, prefrontal cortex pops off. I'm triggered. But also mm-hmm. I describe the energy as like, it's like you're trying to hold a beach ball underwater and it's mm-hmm. good. It's good. It's good. You're keeping it together. But then all of a sudden something, you know, you just, you get a little off balance and then it shoots yeah. up and it goes straight up the spine right into the central you know, center of the brain and then kind of fireworks out my head, you know? Exactly. Yeah. And I think about it, even talking about it now, you know, I think about like the quality of it is like, uh, you're, you're like you, when you said the prefrontal cortex is gone, you no longer have impulse control. And so the head shoots off and there's a distinct energy of 
energy going straight up the head. And with children, Carmen, um, when I, I saw children for years, you know, therapeutically, and I would get a whiteboard out and I had, uh, I would draw a little schematic body, a little head in a body, and it would be littler if they were only four or five. <laughs> and then it would be bigger and longer if they were like nine or 10. But I would say, here are the markers and you can do this on paper or on whiteboard. Here are the markers. Can you show me? Because the child would be explaining global high intensity. I'll actually send you a photograph of a picture, and I have many of them, but of a picture that a nine-year-old drew for me of what global activation felt like. And you can post it on the web. I will. That'll be awesome. Yeah, because that picture shows exactly the internal experience. There's this red line going straight up the body, and the head is exploding <laughs> and fragmenting. <laughs> well, and you've talked about, in, in adults anyway, this is what I've noticed, you, you've, you've taught me that you can, you can sort of tell when a person's going into this global high intensity state, but mm -hmm. sort of just keeping it together or trying to, because it's like their, their mind fragments and they're just kind of, they're, mm -hmm. they're, it's the runaway train that's going from one disastrous thought to the next. And, and they might be a very, um, what I would call a high performance person, very productive and efficient. So it's, mm -hmm. I'm not talking about like, oh, this is a person who might seem very, um, you know, have a, have a fragile nervous system even, you know, this happens mm -hmm. to a lot of people. I see it, but it's just like the mind is going a, a million miles an hour. Yeah. And it, it seems to indicate something like that is happening with the nervous system. How, how would mm -hmm. you describe what it looks like in an adult when you, when you're yeah. watching somebody going through that or trying to stop it? Well, and that's a great, uh, segue into working with adults. The, uh, you know, what I described about the top of the head popping off, that'd be an anger. But there are other patterns in the nervous system that we can look at and find similarly kind of a little bit different tone, but a high sympathetic pattern where they're always on a very high ledge of energy and they mobilize around it. They like it. A lot of people high performance people, type A's, love that aspect about themselves. They love it. They love the energy. But they're also the ones that may eventually have chronic pain. And then also the other flip side of being on stuck very high, oftentimes that, that person may also have times of complete shutdown. And that will look like chronic fatigue or fibromyalgia or uh, dorsal shutdown. Um, I was working with somebody earlier today and she said, we know that her pattern is high sympathetic. But then she said, you know, Patty, I go through phases where I am on the opposite end. I said, that makes sense because that is a description of unhealed trauma, really, uh, to flip back and forth between real high and then real low where you can't, you're exhausted, you're numb, you're shut down, you can't really do anything in that state. Mm -hmm. We call that the dorsal state. 
So there's a lot of sort of tones and textures. And I've mm -hmm. had um, I've had students ask me, I mean, I think a lot of people hear this and go, oh my God, it's a thing and get really, you know, fascinated by the term global. Mm -hmm. Like, and, and, and I've had a few clients who think it's kind of funny to say like, oh, we're going global because uh -huh. it's not the positive yeah. thing that that might sound like. But, but I've also had a student ask me, like, what is the difference then between a global high activation state and a numinous experience? Because yeah. what you're describing of that shooting of energy that kind of mm. goes up and out and overwhelms kind of, I mean, we could say it almost has an orgasmic quality or at least yeah. when we're in those unity experiences, we can feel like we're, we can track so much, you know, when our mm. awareness kind of goes beyond our body and we can get these downloads mm -hmm. from the cosmos. So how do we know if mm. like a high activation state is sort of like quote good versus mm. quote bad well those uh that's it's really good to talk about this because um there are certain practices that we might do like uh breath practices that again i'm gonna kind of lead us back to this idea of the central channel of the body if we're not actively engaged with our arms and legs, if our arms and legs became immobilized, we dissociated from our arms and legs, literally, mm -hmm. that energy may go up that central channel. Then an individual like that may say, well, I'm going to try to do much more yoga and much more breath yoga, which we know can be profoundly beautiful. I go to, a, I try to go to a Kundalini yoga class Monday mornings because they're fantastic because they're, they, but she's involving and opening up the arms and legs. When a person, let's say, has a global pattern and they're trying to open up their bodies, but they end up maybe doing a, a week-long intensive yoga retreat with a lot of breath and then have that kind of breakthrough moment of all of the chakras open up and the energy begins running, but it's not moving in a coherent way, but there's, it, it's sort of wonderful, but also frightening. This can happen with um, sacred sexuality where things are opened up too quickly and, and the body isn't integrating. It can happen in a lot of different practices, but we, we know that you know, while, while one person handles it beautifully, we don't know why, but maybe, maybe their body has more integration. Maybe their body and arms and legs, the peripheral nervous system is able to integrate and come into and bring more into the experience of grounding. So we want to, when, when somebody comes to us or if we've had that experience, we want to work with someone who can really integrate the body then. I've also, I've worked with a couple of people who've had awakenings after uh, deep sacred sexuality or uh, kundalini experiences as well as ayahuasca. And so we want to be able to help individuals really integrate does that make sense? Into the peripheral nervous system. Yeah, it makes uh, so much sense. I know we've worked, um, or when you've helped me work with um, uh, parents 
we've talked about different ways to support folks with that global pattern. And, um, you know, one of them is we can increase vagal tone. And another way is we can, you know, contain and help people have sort of completions, finish one sensation in the body, finish one thought, that sort of thing. But it also sounds like you're saying, we could support folks to move to the, the arms and legs and get the peripheral, mm -hmm. peripheral functioning happening. Maybe That's aside right. from yoga, are there other things, let's say like your average um, psychotherapist is, you know, sitting there and seeing this and, and thinking, oh, maybe I could encourage something. Mm -hmm. it, you know, I know you have a lot of tips and tricks, even just about what kind of chair yeah. you have in your office. You know, what, what about, what about this? Um, like today, I, I have a, a rice bag that has, that's double sewn and it's about seven pounds of rice. And I'll put it in the microwave for three minutes so it radiates warmth. Mm -hmm. Now an individual is coming in with a global activation pattern, I, that's the same person, I offered it and she put it on her lap. The warmth will just bring awareness to her legs, the weight and the warmth. So any psychotherapist, can utilize that. That again, you could offer it to the lap or the feet. And then as you're talking, and if, and I'll talk a moment about that runaway train thinking mm -hmm. that goes along with the style. Uh, but if a person's having the, that episode of runaway thinking, then you can just say, if it's all right, feel the rice bag, take a moment, just 40 seconds, let go of a story and let yourself feel your legs. So you're bringing the opposite direction, which is downward in the body. The consciousness, the awareness shifts from the mind down to the lap, you know, or the feet. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. How's that sound? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's great. And, and I think the, the the thing I'm curious about is like the moving sideways or, you know, um, so I know when we've done trainings, when I've seen you um, in trainings, you've talked about how important it is to, maybe not how important it is, but how handy it can be to have chairs that have arms uh, on them so that clients can have their elbows and that kind of opens up in the armpits mm -hmm. and kind of encourages a little bit more movement through the arms. Would you, is there, is that also something we can do is sort of subtly set up our spaces? <laughs> That's a beautiful comment about the armpits because we pinch our arms. Any listener right now, see if your armpits, now that I, we talk about armpits, <laughs> See if your armpits are very pinched together and just softly open your elbows and see what happens as you open your elbows and open your armpits. Oh my God. Like, I'm like, oh, look at me breathing a little better through the yeah. upper chest, right? <laughs> exactly. Like we can, we embody, so the energy, the meridian lines, you know, they're Chinese meridian lines that go under the armpits, under the uh, inner body. And so we open that up, these simple things that make a difference in terms of embodiment and the whole body, the whole body is our real estate. These are things that, that we live in. There's no reason to pinch all of the energy in that central line, but we wanna spread it and mobilize it, like you said, for completion and that's more of a therapeutic kind of fine-tuning piece about how to do that. But I want to um, bring in, 
this idea, I don't, I don't want to lose if you want to talk about numinous experiences again. No, I think you've done a good job with that. But I, okay. I do want you to talk to me about the runaway train of the mind and maybe some yeah. completions or, or how okay. to work with that. Because I will say that, you know, I've had a number of these before I go on, these numinous experiences that are so meaningful to me and uh, remarkable in what they bring me in the depth of the awareness of subtlety the subtle realms of existence and that numinous quality of a life and death, you know, that mm. those states of change, you know, that we've experienced. So I want to acknowledge uh, the work in that, that area. Well, and I really appreciate that. I think that's, that's what has felt like such a great fit for me is that, yes, I can bring my um, clinical challenges to you and you'll have real practical tools and tips but there's also nothing I can say about what might be happening in my experience when when you're doing some healing or release work with me if I'm like well and then the rock speaks to me <laughs> you're mm -hmm. like yes she does <laughs> you know there's mm -hmm. like nothing that that is sort of um taboo for you very accepting that nothing way. at all yeah you know one of the most uh, vivid ones was here in in North Carolina I was driving my car to go to a friend's house and it was uh, after dusk, so it was a little dark, but I was going by the Biltmore Forest and everybody had their headlights on and out of the forest, she leapt, a young doe, and leapt all the way across one side of the road because I was in the middle of the two lanes. She leapt all the way across and rolled on my car Oh my goodness. And I watched her face was just, a, you know, a foot away. And I pulled over immediately. And what happened for me in that moment, I, people were flagged down, people were coming and running. And I insisted that uh, a man help me lift her up off the highway. And he said, no, we could get killed if she woke up. And I said, do it now because I knew she had been knocked out. She was in the freeze immobility. Mm. And having, it made no sense to me, but I joined the deer clan that night. Mm. She was my dear sister and I held her head and she and I completely were there. I was crying my eyes out because I had killed her. Not that I, I'm not, a, a vegan, I am a carnivore, I'm an omnivore, but my intention was not that night. And just the, uh, the passage of the love energy between us and a whole circle came around us, including an officer who pulled over and he had his light rolling and it was startling her. And I said, will you turn your light off? It's disturbing her right now. And he did. And he came over. So we had like a whole circle around her. But I had that feeling of being at the edge of life and death with her. Or at least, I don't even know how long. But I knew I had joined the deer clan in a very deep way. I had been accepted and, and joined. So. Mm, that is so beautiful. <laughs> that is so beautiful. Yeah. I, I actually want to ask you about how this work um, is related to the health of 
the planet and mm -hmm. what I've heard you call the living Gaia and how it relates mm -hmm. to collective trauma. Um, and so I, I don't want to lose the thought on um, the journey of the mind and global activation, but I also just want to invite you to take the conversation mm -hmm. wherever yeah. it's right for you. You know, if we, uh, as children, uh, I got to run outside and run amok. I got, uh, you know, frequently, I typically had scab knees and stub toes because <laughs> I was so rough and rugged and had an older brother I was trying to keep up with. But I was running around. I was, I was digging crawdads out of the mud and picking clovers and communicating with bees on clover flowers. And so I was living in the apple tree because I thought she was a sister. I thought my dog was my older sister. I mean, I was in that imaginal world and really deeply in my arms and legs. And I think that the further we have come with having children not deeply engaged in dirt and mud and grass and living beings, then it has, we've lost that deep connection with our earth. And we all know that the only way that the earth can be raped and pillaged like she is, is by people who don't have that deep relationship mm -hmm. and, and have missed the idea that, um, you know, not everybody has to cry when they've killed the deer, but to me, that was like a, a very profound experience to hold her head and look at her and, and make amends to her. That's that deep connection with Gaia that, uh, you know, that I think we want, we come from the earth and we need uh, somehow to help our children. I know you and Ruben do these quests, literally taking people out. Mm-hmm to re-engage and or to engage for the first time in yes. their arms and their legs in carrying the water. Yeah. That's mm -hmm. right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the importance of that, you know, we, that's my feeling, you know, is that we want to be deeply engaged. We want to be able to sweat. Mm -hmm. We want our arms and legs to move, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I wanted to talk about right now as activists, I know a lot of your listeners would identify as activists in one form or another, and that's good. Um, what we want to be aware of is that activists, those of us that are woke up, those of us that are reading, hearing, and listening to the atrocities, and then having the feelings and the emotions about it, right? We know, and we kind of touched on this on our first interview, we talked about what do we do with all of that? We need to come back together, feel it, process it deeply together. But one thing I've been noticing, uh, because I also have activists that come to me clinically for therapy, uh, and one thing that happens for them is that they're tracking so much of the threat reaction and so much of the disaster that they will jog themselves into a global activation pattern. 100%. Uh, 
A hundred percent. Welcome to 1312 Balmoral on your average Wednesday nights. <laughs> we <can say> that <laughs> online. But like, yeah, totally. Ruben and I, two person psychological system. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like who can, who can talk about the disaster of the moment? And who's read the news to tell the other person? Totally. You won't believe what 45 did today. You Can know? you believe Listen. this guy? Yeah, that's like, you know? yeah, totally. Yeah, it's taken yeah. a lot of mentoring. And thank you, Patty, for helping us to, <laughs> to read. Oh, my God. Home. <laughs> well, you know, now what I, what I will want to do, I'll feel the urge to kind of like jag into if I'm with a friend. And they'll say, can you believe this? What are, you know, what are gerrymandering or whatever it is, you know, and I'll listen and I'll want, and then I'll want to add to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but did you see the Amazon? My God, or, or whatever, the fires of California. And I have started holding myself back mm -hmm. because I know it and my friend will know it, but I don't want to get out of my uh, my realm of capacity at that moment. And so I can talk to your li listeners a little bit about realm of capacity and understanding that- Please do. You know, that we've each got uh, a capacity to talk about the disastrous moments that we are in. And uh, there's something about, you know, this time on earth, we're all in it. A lot of people are still denying it, which drives those of us that are woke up completely crazy. And we want to like scream louder to wake people up. And it's not a bad idea, but I think for the sake of our nervous systems, this is one of my great thoughts about tonight and our talk. Uh, we, if we go into global activation, we already said we literally have the prefrontal orbital cortex offline and so that means that we don't have access to the really good parts of our brain that are seated in creative thought problem solving attunement resonance and capacity in that way and there's a new line of thought and this is really really cutting edge to me that the slower we go and the, the slower we go together, the more we actually might make changes. Mm. That going fast is the opposite of making changes. It's sort of getting us into sympathetic fear and threat where we can't think and we can't take action. We're just spinning, mm -hmm. spinning. So that comes directly really from trauma-informed practice. It sounds like there's kind of a syncretizing that's happening between trauma uh, and the, the neurobiology of trauma and also yeah. uh, social movements that it's like, oh, wait a second. Of course we want um, change now, but the, the velocity of trauma is like that. It wants things now, it wants things addressed. It doesn't want to have to you know, slow that's things right. down and feel. And it's true that there's, you know, people's lives are at stake. This is urgent. This is imperative. But I hear what you're saying, that the more that mm -hmm. we actually can slow down together and really feel it, actually, yeah. the faster things happen because the good ideas come through after. And can you 
I don't want to hijack this, but I, yeah. it's making me think about the, the state of pronking. And mm-hmm. I know clients love hearing what that mm-hmm. is. Pronking, well, pronking happens when uh, actually it's a, a natural biological process that it, it discharges after you've had a near close call, a, a near life, life threat. Uh, and we'll go back to the other topic that we're talking about, but a near life threat of, um, for instance, uh, a car coming by or the tree coming near you or whatever, um, oftentimes right after that, uh, there'll be that run to get out of the way of the tree. And there can be giddiness on the edge of the run at the very end. So the giddiness and like, oh, well, God, did you see that? You know, the screaming <laughs> yeah. up and down and then the jumping up and down. That's called pronking and it's actually discharging the mobilized sympathetic energy that is way big, more than just like, oh, that tree almost hit me. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow, did you see that? That was weird. No, that isn't the way it happened. <laughs> it's not pronging. We, we've yeah. like jumped out of the way of that tree. We heard it start cracking. We, we feel it, we see it, all of a sudden we're out of the way. Mm-hmm. And that is mobilized energy in a positive way, just like we're built to have happen in our bodies and that's what's so frigging frustrating in our world right now because politically we cannot get that action going Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so what's happening is activists in a way are spinning themselves crazy and they're they're they kind of drive themselves nuts and if that's happening what would be the opposite? Like you said, you, you languaged it beautifully, is slowing down. And this is what I was going to tell your listeners. It is paradoxical. One would never imagine that actually the greatest change on earth will be if we slow down and find our own true rhythm and connect with another person at their own true rhythm and the potency between two people is exponentially larger than one could imagine because there is untapped resource of aliveness there that we cannot even imagine if we've never experienced it. But I know it's true. I know that the we practice spaces that are opening up globally, all over the United States, Canada, and Europe. They're called We Space, W-E, We Space Practices, or simple uh, uh, activities in which people face each other and begin doing things that are unusual, but bring us more and more quietly together. (laughs) And they're deeply satisfying much more satisfying than a football game or uh, a hockey game. Well, I can't say that. I don't know. It depends on the game. (laughs) (laughs) But in an interpersonal way, there's something deeply rich because what opens up is this hardwiring thing called ventral vagal of how we are built. 
And oftentimes we don't have enough time in that zone. But I swear, uh, I'm old enough to know this, that I know this is coming, folks. Mm. Mm -hmm. That we are going to begin to realize that the greatest resource and the greatest treasure is in that small moment. And I don't even know how we're going to tap into it, but I know how it's done and I know it can be done, but I've got a feeling there's infinite kind of energy right there. Mm -hmm. And that is phenomenal. That's, that's true change on planet earth. really. Mm -hmm. Patty, can you talk to me about instinctual healing energies? Yeah, what we're talking about right now is uh, that that is the phrase that your listeners might want to take hold of, that this energy of a tree coming down in the woods, your ability to feel it, hear it, and get the hell out of there quick, that's the instinctual energy of moving forward, and it's called a protective reflex, and it's hardwired as part of the survival system of fight and flight. We think about fight and flight as relating to other people or somehow something, but a tree coming down also ignites a high sympathetic rush of adrenaline cortisol and moves us quickly without thinking. It's not the thinking mind, but it's a sympathetic survival system that you jump out of the way that is the instinctual body the instinctual body also fights like if somebody comes at you and you strike them and all of a sudden you have superhuman strength you know like we said lifting that car off uh we have superhuman strength we fight our way out and those instinctual energies uh, it oftentimes will get trapped in the third option, which again, is not a thinking, but the freeze in mobility, which is dorsal shutdown. So if we're hardwired for dorsal shutdown, fight and flight, and ventral, how do we engage the instinctual wisdom of all of these states and embrace them as our own and not be afraid of them. To your listeners, how can we encourage you to not be afraid of those powerful life force energies? Those are your life essences. And we want all persons on earth more and more to embrace it and understand it, educate people and get that rolling for each individual. So they're not stuck in a freeze or stuck in a high sympathetic. Mm -hmm. So does this kind of neurobiological information that you're sharing, do you, does it, do, do you think you need to be a counselor or a therapist or have like quite a lot of education to sort of understand it and apply it? Um, or do you think it needs to be learned in one-on-one -on -one therapy set settings? You know, that's my big thing about uh, the mentoring course is that I am determined right now we we're all going heading into 2020 and 2021 you know we know what's ahead of us this is not a rehearsal this is the real thing we're in the midst of climate change we're in the midst of crises 
we've got these these bodies that can regulate and the greatest gift uh no you don't have to be a psychotherapist and that's why i'm really insisting that the program be for all sorts of people not not psychotherapists i mean i want people to have a group of people that they can use it with you know whether you're a teacher or uh, uh, an activist you know or a meditation teacher whatever you're doing but the idea that it should be owned in a clinical practice no <laughs> we're done with that word is out we need to get on with the show and get everybody educated how to move this energy mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it sounds like you like me have a sense of urgency around mm -hmm. this particular time on earth but i'm really enjoying hearing how um powerfully channeled it is i can hear it in your <laughs> voice i i'm lucky i can see it in your eyes i i you know the it, it's yeah it's it's really nice to have that um sort of somatic resonance of like oh this person gets it but like look how beautifully she's holding it and mm -hmm. and, and harnessing the power of those instinctual healing energies um but patty what did what does patty ellidge do when she mm -hmm. hits the edge of her capacity to deal with the you know the pervasiveness of collective trauma or like when you're at the edge of um, capacity with like a really intense caseload. Like, what do you mm -hmm. personally do to deal with the emotions and physicality of this kind of, per, you know, global mm -hmm. states? Maybe not clinically global, but just like, whoa, shit's going yeah. down and it's all. Over. Oh, yeah. And then being a trauma therapist and seeing uh, having a full caseload and having droves of people that were doing well in the past contact me the last two months, three months and say, I've got to get in again. That shows you, you know, we all agree that there's more anxiety, more depression on earth right now. So that those are signs of too much sympathetic or depression is too much dorsal. So what happens when I go into a frazzled zone and I have so many tricks or so many, uh, uh, things that I utilize that I am now educated well, where I can say to myself, Ooh, you feel very dorsally. Your stomach is offline. It feels weird. You feel kind of shut down. You don't feel as sharp. So I will go and start with dorsal shutdown. I will start using Stanley Rosenberg's. Oh, Yes. Dorsal exercises. Say it. Get sister. that book. Yeah. <laughs> the healing power of the vagus nerve. Go right away and order that mm -hmm. on your favorite uh, or go ask Local your book independent bookseller. That's right. <laughs> right. To go order five copies and you buy one and buy one for your friends and three more are on the shelves. <laughs> but if I'm in dorsal, I go right away to those exercises. And I also go right away to another thing, Carmen, the Smovy rings, S-M-O-V-E-Y. Are they a now, little bit pricey? Where do we get those? They're so damn pricey. And believe me, you're not going to be able to make them. They look like corrugated uh, plastic tubing that you can just manufacture. They resonate. Uh, they, they make a sound, a funny, scratchy kind of vibration. That's vibration 
is the same frequency hertz as your heart rate rhythm. So they bring heart rate out of too slow, too low, back into heart rate variability and coherency. And so you utilize, you know, that's what I say, you know, this is my body's my trade. So I say to your listeners, people, peeps, let's just watch this next year and try to learn about the vagus nerve. Mm -hmm. Try to be able to say to yourself, whoa, I am so low right now. I'm going to go do Stanley Rosenberg's and then call a friend mm -hmm. or at least stream a video that has high, uh, high social engagement in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those ones of little babies and, and you know, pretending they yeah. can talk to their dad or, you know, just, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, sadly, you know, my favorite was always Mrs. Doubtfire, you know, with Robin oh. Williams. <laughs> I've watched that like 30 times because he's so <laughs> damn hilarious, you know, he's so ventral. So you want to raise the vagus tone into ventral. Mm -hmm. But if I'm too scattered, if I feel edgy and overwhelmed, into sympathetic, I might have to, knowing Patty Elledge, I might have to sit down and feel my feelings first. Mm -hmm. I might have to just cry or gnash my teeth or walk around and stomp in, in the room. But I use my body, but I use my heart and my emotions to regulate. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's a lot of thing. That's something that a lot of listeners don't know that your heart is your greatest regulator. So you go right to your emotions. Mm -hmm. And, and if I feel that I'm tipping over, I used to have like excessive crying. I don't let myself excessively cry after I've cried and moved some energy, then I wash my face in cool water. I put my jacket on and I go outside. I go out to the outdoors. Mm -hmm. I walk around. Mm -hmm. Well, and it also seems so paradoxical to say like, oh, wow, you, you feel like garbage. You need to actually sit and like really feel that for a moment and mm -hmm. sort of contain everything, come in and bring mm -hmm. it like, what's, where am I feeling that? I've, I've, yeah. I've started telling people just locate where it's most alive in you, but no bigger than the size of the palm of your hand so that you can oh, put your own wow. palm on it, you know, just to give people a sense. And, and the paradox is that when yes, that, yeah. you know, it contracts that the wave of it comes because oh, I'm touching into it. I don't like it. I don't like it. Right. And, but then you sit with it and you're staying present with your hand on it and it, and it starts to subside mm -hmm. that nice drop down and the settle. And then what I love is that, you know, you wait it out and then next thing I'll know, <gasps> pronking. And, and I think of pronking almost as like mm -hmm. baby goats, you know, like they can kind of go up and sideways at the same time. Yeah. I often find for me, the pronking kind of has a bit of a bounce and a bit of a sideways, like wiggle with my hips and my shoulders. And I'm like, I want to go like, for me, it's always like, suddenly I get an idea that I want to look at beautiful things, or I suddenly get an idea that I want to go to the grocery store and f buy good food or something, oh. you know, I'm like, I want to like get mobilized. Yeah. Back to health. Exactly. And then Absolutely. I'm suddenly, I'm like, Oh, look, I, I, I have this access to vitality and that ability to have the curiosity and the exploration, you know, it's, 
into the world with curiosity and, and interest, right? And you That's wouldn't right. think that being like, okay, I'm going to take five minutes to feel like crap right now, and but I'm really going to just be present to wherever it is. You wouldn't think that would actually feel so good, but there's so much relief in the completion of, of that, yeah. thing that you've been trying to avoid. And that is so beautiful, the way that you described it and how you walked yourself through even to thinking about, oh, the market, I've got to get to the market. I think that they brought in the fresh produce today. <laughs> yeah. I've got to get over there. Yeah. Oh, it's 9 a.m. I can make it, you know, before uh -huh. work. But you want to mobilize into that going out and exploring because that's the sign you're back. When you yeah. mobilize and you're ready to explore, go out into the world, that's when you know that you're back to yourself. And it's as important to know when am I back to myself as it is to know when am I dorsal or when am I too sympathetic high? You know, that good zone, we want to amplify, we want to really get educated. I love what you said about, about all of that. Well, and I just love our whole conversation as I always do. And I hope that listeners are feeling now like, oh, I, I want to get out there. I want to explore these things. I'm going to, you know, go to the website and look at some resources. I want to see what Patty's about. I want to see what somaticmentoring.com is about. I'll put all those links in the show notes on the website. But I, I just want to say thanks, Patty. This has been fantastic. And I feel like pronking now. <laughs> All right, Carmen, me too. <laughs> Thanks for being on the show. Oh, thank you so much. I love it. How great of Patty to share so much warmth and wisdom with us today. I agree so much with what she said about why it's important we all become not only more trauma informed, you know, like do the top down stuff, the cognitive stuff to learn and become more literate about uh, trauma as an experience, but also that we all need to learn some actual co-regulation skills. I see us all very much as barefoot doctors doing grassroots community service within our homes and our workplaces. If, if you don't know what the barefoot doctors are, let me just explain. It, it was a program developed by Chairman Mao um, in order to establish a better medical system in rural China. And they trained hundreds of thousands of farmers in more than just first aid. They, the, these farmers provided preventative medicine, including vaccines. They performed midwifery and pediatrics. So basically short of surgery, they were pretty much trained for anything they were required to do to service their community uh, medically. And, and they were required to spend 50% of the time farming and 50% of the time serving their community. And that's what I see many of us do, doing these days. We're working overtime and, and we're looking around and seeing more people suffering the effects of personal trauma like sensitizing events, right, that lead to PTSD, but also developmental trauma, you know, the effects of, of let's just say, a less than secure childhood. Um, but also, we're all suffering from the pervasive and insidious effects of living in late stage capitalism and in an imperial, white supremacist, patriarchal, just all around dominating culture at the end of empire. And that takes a fucking toll, my friends. And, and there's no doctor who specializes in treating cultural maladies or that can cure the culture itself. So we've all got to get skilled up to deal with epidemic levels of anxiety and depression so we can start with early interventions at home. Um, and that's all I'm going to say about that for now. So for links to the resources mentioned in this episode, visit the show notes on my website, carmenspaniola.com, C-A-R-M-E-N, 
S-P-A-G-N-O-L-A. And thanks so much. Uh, This listener's shout out goes to all my listeners in Seattle. Hello, especially to my numinous students and my attachment preparedness crew down there. Thanks for being on the front lines of healing collective trauma as you do your own inner work and also tune up your nervous systems to better support yourselves and your kids. And thank you, my friend, my dear listener. It means a lot that you choose to spend your time with me and that I got to share Patty with you. Um, So if you like the show, please consider leaving a review on iTunes to boost the signal and the algorithm so others can find it easily. I'd appreciate that so, so much. And I think someone somewhere, some stranger probably needs to hear this and doesn't know it yet, and they will probably appreciate that too. So until next time, take care.